Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. Hello, hello. Welcome to today's episode. I have a brilliant, brilliant guest for you today, Joshua Fletcher. He is an author. He's a psychotherapist. We actually went to the same sixth form in Wigan, which is really, really weird because I hardly ever meet people from that part of the world, but it's great to chat to him about, about that. And he's the author of the book, Untangle Your Anxiety, a guide to overcoming an anxiety disorder by two people who've been through it. And Josh is an absolute goldmine of information about anxiety. He's he's been through it himself, experiencing um, agoraphobia, panic attacks, and he really specialises in helping people with disordered anxiety. So, you know, quite severe anxiety, OCD, health anxiety, panic attacks, that sort of thing. And those are the sorts of topics we dig into today. I had lots of requests from people to talk about things like OCD and health anxiety, and Josh is the perfect person to talk about this. He shares a lot about his own story, the things that have helped him, the psychological you know understanding that really helped him to recover from anxiety and loads and loads of practical tips and insights so as always I want to invite you to come over to my website karmau.com and I've got loads of freebies on there I've got a free anxiety toolkit you can download it there's a hypnotherapy session in there which is going to help you to feel karma within about 10 minutes of listening to it so you can grab that at karmau.com forward slash free so let's get into the interview with Joshua Fletcher. So welcome, Joshua. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Doing fine. Thank you, Chloe. Thanks for inviting me on to your wonderful podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do and how you got to where you are today and a bit about your experience with anxiety? Yeah, so uh, yeah, my name is Joshua Fletcher. I'm a psychotherapist who specializes in working with anxiety disorders. Um, to understand what an anxiety disorder is, you've got to distinguish between what is anxiety and what is disordered anxiety. Um, everyone has anxiety. It's normal. It's a wonderful emotion. It's really helpful. Um, you know what kind of conventional anxiety is when you've got a, a, a job interview, a first date. Maybe you're uh, a bit worried about something, a, a deadline coming up. Um, maybe you just feel a bit uncomfortable on a night out somewhere because it's getting a bit late, getting a bit dark and you want to get home. Normal anxiety, conventional anxiety, that isn't clinical, doesn't require anything. It's a lovely emotion. However, some anxiety becomes into the realms of disordered anxiety. So this is where our days are dictated by fear. 
when we avoid, when we constantly ruminate, when we have panic attacks, when we fear having panic attacks, when our attention is predominantly on how we feel and the what-if thoughts that that could throw up. And that's basically pretty much all anxiety disorders. They all have different names and labels. I developed an anxiety disorder when I was 22, 23, and that started with a panic attack. I didn't know it was a panic attack. I didn't really use the word anxiety. I, hadn't, I thought it just meant I was nervous about exams. Um, and yeah, it, 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 I thought I was losing my mind. So I went home, tried to work it out. Didn't work. Avoided things, withdrew. Um, were obsessed about my symptoms, obsessed about kind of um, this sense of detachment. And it really put me in a dark place. Um, so I decided to work it out. What's going on here? Uh, some difficult things happening at the time as well at home, so I needed to do it. And then, yeah, I discovered proper psychoeducation about anxiety, and then I decided to reverse all my behaviours and beliefs that I'd had, for, and then um, I slowly overcame the anxiety disorder. Loved it. Um, trained to, I uh, did a bit of coaching for a while, then I went to study psychotherapy, then did my master's, then went back to uni, to, to Salford Uni, to do some CBT stuff. And now I'm here today, previous sufferer, sufferer psychotherapist, author, podcast host, <laughs> ma- ma- many strings to the anxiety bow. Yeah, and that's where I'm at at the moment. So yeah, helping people with disordered anxiety. I help with people with conventional anxiety too, but people with disordered anxiety who have that, we're stuck in that maelstrom of confusion and, and, and fear. Yeah, thank you for, in the beginning, just that definition of the difference between anxiety, which is a normal emotion, which we're always, we're all going to feel at some point, and something which is a disorder, which is something you should seek help for, something that is disturbing your day-to-day life. I think that's such a important distinction. I think the lines can get kind of quite blurred, so I think it's good to to remember that. Um I'm curious to, to know from you, what was it that helped you in the beginning? Was it, did you, did you have therapy? Did you go to your GP? Like, what was the thing that kind of, or did you read, you know, certain books? How did you first start to learn about it in your own life? Yeah, so um, initially when I felt this feeling of fear, detachment, doom, heart, you know, all these symptoms going on, just this constant sense of dread and doom that just hit me from nowhere. Um yeah, I initially went to my doctor. I said, I feel detached from my reality. I don't feel, I feel like something awful is going to happen all the time. Uh, my heart keeps palpitating. I can't eat, I can't sleep. Uh, and of course, my doctor just looked at me and was like, yeah, that, this guy's lost it. <laughs> He's lost his mind. <laughs> so he put me on some antidepressants, which uh, did not help because I wasn't depressed. Um, don't get me wrong, if you're depressed, take antidepressants you know um but no i was misdiagnosed i think um or misunderstood not saying that happens to everyone and this happened 10 years ago so i think education on anxiety disorders particularly with gps has increased since then but this is just my story um yeah i took medication i you know it's an anxiety disorder when you take an antidepressant and then you spend all day monitoring to see if it's worked yet if you have any side effects yeah. <laughs> so it's actually increased my anxiety in the short run uh, to the point where I, I couldn't handle it so I just I, I came off it quite quickly um so that didn't help 
I tried everything, uh, cures and tinctures like rescue remedy. I don't know if you've ever taken that. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, my mum's my into spiritual holistic therapies, so I tried a Reiki. Um, people kept telling me to do mindfulness, but obviously with panic disorder and mindfulness, I just <laughs> I love mindfulness, but don't do it when in the midst of panic disorder. It's not it's just not worth it uh, because you're just already hypersensitive to how you feel, and it just heightens that. Uh, I do mindfulness now; I love it, but not in the midst of it. Um, and yeah, no, things weren't weren't helping. And what really helped, and honestly, the first thing that helped was I came across. I broke the golden rule of anxiety by scrolling the internet because I had no idea, I had no answers. And a lot of it scared me. But then one day I discovered a few people who were describing the same symptoms of what I was having, particularly the detachment, the derealization, the dissociation. And I started to find out more. And then I did some more reading. I discovered Claire Weeks, who's my hero. Um... There's a guy called Paul David, who is not a therapist, but just described what it's like to have panic disorder. And what I found is that I felt reassured that I wasn't going crazy. And that's why I love doing that, talking about it now. Like the main thing I get on my Instagram and stuff is that I'm so happy I found your page. I feel like I'm not crazy. Uh, And I'm like, well, you're not crazy. But what should have happened is someone should explain to you that you've developed an anxiety disorder, which can be overcome. It's not a death sentence. You could overcome. I've overcome it. I'm fine now. You know, yeah, I'm back to going back, going back to me. But like, yeah, the biggest part of my recovery was psychoeducation. It's learning what was happening, learning that my behaviors were keeping it there, learning that my attention was teaching the threat response to remain on, learning that it's adrenaline and cortisol and not not actually the world is about to implode. The world's fine. You're fine. You're not going to lose your mind. It's just that constant fear basically it's a fear a misinterpretation of fear once i stopped misinterpreting and started challenging it leaning into uncertainty the anxiety started to turn off and then i you know it was a bit of time you know and then i was like ah i get this now and i was so passionate about it i like i left the teaching profession and became a psychotherapist because i know i know what it's like it's it's, it's a horrible lonely place to be in so yeah, it's a, just a, a, a bit of my story on it. That's, that's, that's how I ended up here. Hello. Yeah. Yeah, so good to hear your story. And I think it's very reassuring to hear you say that it is something that you can get better from. It's not, you know, I hear from so many people, and I was like this as well, I was like, I am anxious. I am anxious. I'm an anxious person. This is not going to change. No one understands me. I'm, I'm going to lose my mind. But actually, it doesn't have to be that way. We can learn about ourselves and we can... Um, change things and I love Claire Weeks as well I'm trying to remember what the name of her book is it like self-help for your nerves or something she had a really famous book called something like that yes yes self-help for your nerves I forgot now hope and calm for your nerves or something you could just type in Claire Weeks you've got stuff there I mean some of it's a bit dated but considering that she had nothing to go on in the 70s and early 80s I just think it's incredible Mm. You know, um, but yeah, that's she's inspired all the stuff I do. Yeah, yeah, and a big thing she talks about is floating with the anxiety rather than fighting against it. And I think what you said there about not being not being afraid of the feelings, like so much of it is because we're afraid of the feelings of losing control or panic. And actually, if we can learn to 
change our relationship with anxiety that can make a big difference yeah um, absolutely yeah yeah mm-hmm. so you've got a new book out well it came out in march and it's called untangle your anxiety can you share a bit about what that is about yeah so untangle your anxiety is is addressed for the people who struggle with the disordered side of anxiety so if you struggle with panic attacks or agoraphobia um sometimes health anxiety sometimes uh trying to understand what's going on if you feel fear a lot of the time this is it's it's for you it's still doing remarkably well actually i have to pinch myself now and then um but yeah it, it's a self-help book written by two guys who've been through it um and not only does it provide a lot of that psychoeducation that, that helped me, but there's lots of uh, there's a dialogue running through it between me and my co-author Dean Stone, and um, we talk about our own experiences about it too. And there's a bit there's a bit of comedy and humour in there as well. It's not this it's not heavy reading. People who are anxious don't want heavy anxiety reading. It's a light read. It's straight to the point. It's I wrote it, so there's no big fancy words in there. And um, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, we're really happy with it. Um, that's just for panic and agoraphobia. And in two weeks' time, we've got Untangle, the second in the Untangle series, which is Untangle Your Intrusive Thoughts. So they're for people who struggle with horrible intrusive thoughts, um, often associated with the OCD crowd. Um, not that everyone with OCD, like, gets together in a crowd and starts so you know what I mean and uh and yeah they're for the people that have those nasty intrusive thoughts that they're scared of and it's and again another reassuring read that you're not going crazy it's it's fine everyone gets intrusive thoughts and it doesn't mean you're a bad person or anything like that um but yeah they're the I've started this untangled series that I'm really really excited about and again psychoeducation stuff is just educating you about it to make you feel reassured that you're not insane <laughs> Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Can you can you say a bit more about intrusive thoughts? And, you know, so you say that everyone everyone will have them, but how do we know if that is at a level where it's uh, like a disorder level? Because um, I remember when I, when I was probably in my late teens having intrusive thoughts and like horrible images coming into my mind. And it's so, um, yeah, can be really debilitating if it's like, constantly interrupting your day but yeah could you just say a bit more about about that sure so i'm very candid with intrusive thoughts um apologies <laughs> for, for the examples i'm about to give but i think that's really important when you're addressing intrusive thoughts they thrive in the taboo and the bizarre um intrusive thoughts are usually images or thoughts or even sayings um or even just feelings um sometimes uh they, they come into your mind and they're usually shocking and taboo in nature so, for example, common intrusive com- people who commonly struggle with intrusive thoughts are usually women postpartum. So they'll have intrusive thoughts about harming their baby or something like that, or whatever. People have intrusive intrusive sexual thoughts, maybe to do with people or beings that they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have um, intrusive thoughts about, and this shocks them, so they worry about it. You know, uh, violence, harm, harm about violence and harm. Suddenly, walking along with a loved one, and what if I just push him off a cliff? What if I'm driving my car and I suddenly veer into the central embankment? What if I've poisoned my children, even though the seal on the bleach is clearly 
um, um, on. What if the house burns down because I didn't turn off the plug? Um, what if I, and uh, there's other ones, what if I don't love my partner? That's relationship OCD. And even though you clearly love your partner, relationship OCD wants 100% certainty. So you're just constantly ruminating. Intrusive thoughts become a problem when they dictate your life, when you ruminate, seek reassurance, they're consuming your thoughts, you're worrying about them constantly, worrying about their means. So when I work with um, religious people, you know, they'll, they'll have intrusive thoughts about um, bad-mouthing their, their religion or people in that religion, and then they'll sit there, well, what does this mean? Am I a bad person? What does that mean? You know, inappropriate thoughts about... Um, anything really uh, what i will say is that if this resonates with you intrusive thoughts thrive because they're the opposite of who you are that's your threat response going off because it, it's 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 trying to warn you just in case that, that you know this this could make you socially excluded you know if you think of our ancestors back you know thousands of years ago you needed to be part of the tribe and if you weren't part of the tribe you're not going to you're not going to survive um and so that same mechanism applies now. If I'm sat here, if my life is built upon my relationships and loved ones and being accepted and this and that. And I suddenly have inappropriate thoughts about, you know, like eating feces or blowing someone up. You know, it's I, I'm afraid to share. I'm afraid what that means because my threat response, that could exclude me from the tribe. And so what people with intrusive thoughts do is that they sit inside and ruminate and just bat it, fight it, hoping it will go away, check, testing to see if it's gone, asking for constant reassurance, compulsively uh, enacting rituals to, to make sure that the horror of this thought doesn't mean anything. What I just say to people is, it's just a thought, just a thought of crap, don't deal with it, it's all right, just ignore it. <laughs> it's thriving in your attention, and that's what's really important. Yeah, yeah okay, so not taking the thought too seriously, not... Um... You know, someone said to me once, you know, the first thought you have, that, that kind of automatic thought that we might have about something isn't the real us. It's the second thought that we have about something that is, is Ooh, the yeah. real us. I um, like that. So, yeah. so the first, you know, we can have these kind of first thoughts in and think, oh, I don't like that. Actually, that, that second thought is your, your truth, if you like. Um, but, yeah. So, um, it's not you doing it, is it, Chloe? Like, I, I could, let's no. think of an abhorrent thought now. Like, don't think of Piers Morgan. Don't anyone listening think of Piers Morgan? <laughs> and immediately we're repulsing. Not Piers in, Morgan. In, uh, uh, we're like, uh, you know, but <laughs> I, you didn't think that. I mm. put that there. Yeah. But, you, but you're right. Yeah. I, what I think next is, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, mm. that's what I actually think of that thought. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. that's really important to remember. You're not your thoughts. Yeah. You're what you think of your thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting about the intrusive thoughts thing. You mentioned something about pushing someone off a cliff. I was walking along a cliff yesterday with Aidan, my partner, and I said to him, do you sometimes, like, when you're walking along a cliff, like, worry you're going to jump off or push someone off? And he was like, no, never. And I was like, that's the difference between, like, someone that has has that kind of tendency to think about things in an anxious way and someone who's never had an anxious thought probably in his life. Um, <laughs> but anyway, but it didn't cause me any trouble. I'd, I'm not disturbed by it, but I just noticed that I sometimes do still have those thoughts occasionally. Um, but yeah, do, do you see a lot of people with OCD? Is that something that you you work with people? Um, so yeah, I get people with OCD that come through the door. Um, I get I also refer a lot of people to OCD. I mean, particularly in, in this country, you've got to be careful who you work with with OCD. 
I don't know if you've seen me ram, ranting yes, on my social I media. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of people in this country claim to work with OCD, but aren't trained in the very, just got to be very careful. So if, if these thoughts, res- you know, if this resonates with you and you want help with it, you can look for someone who's trained in OCD, who's particularly trained in ERP, because it's very important. That's exposure response prevention. Um, and there's a few people are doing that. So a good a qualified CBT therapist uh, can help that too. I mean, Different modalities work for different things. Um, but with OCD, it's very specific. If it's really crippling, you have, that's the gold standard to work with it. Um, I'm not actually, I mean, I work with OCD and I'm trained in CBT, but I'm doing some training in ERP too, just to polish up on what, um, you know, what I can learn from that. Um, but in general, it's so confusing for everyone because, you know, I was telling you before, I didn't know what to do when I was had panic disorder, agoraphobia or anything like that. And since becoming a therapist, it's like there's so many different modalities for different problems. It's like, how do we know? <laughs> how do we know yeah. who to go to? Yeah. You know, um, you know, I think because I think you do um, hypnotherapy, don't you? Yeah. 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 So, 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 like, I, I know, like, a friend of the family did did some hypnotherapy for their flying anxiety, and it was and it was wonderful. You know, um, really wonderful. But um, and some people do person-centered therapy just to talk about stress at work or it depends on what your problem is you know mm-hmm. uh, and what's going on so but uh, we're still of this mindset or the therapist will know everything have everything to do to help you it's like no actually we're, we're all we've all got our own unique skills and, and modalities so uh, yes yeah, so it's just one to uh, to look out for but yeah ocb look for someone who's trained and qualified so there's lots of people out there who've been very naughty and exploiting people ever this episode of the Karma You podcast is sponsored by my monthly membership, the Karma You Collective. So I want you to picture this, a cosy armchair with a fire crackling, endless cups of tea in real China, surrounded by your best cheerleaders, friendship and support. Welcome to the collective and your new level of calm. This is the vibe that we're cultivating inside the monthly membership. Now we all know that one push up is not going to get you muscles. Going to the gym once is not going to get you fit. It's the same with our personal development. We need consistency. If we really want to move forward, reach our goals and feel better, we need consistency. And that's what we're creating inside the collective. So every month we get together at the beginning of the month for a workshop on a different topic. Past topics include self-love, comparison, goal setting, positivity, That also includes a live hypnotherapy session, or you can watch the replay later. And then we gather together again at the end of the month for a sharing circle to connect, to share, to remember that we're not alone on this journey. So when you join, you get instant access to nine workshops and hypnotherapy sessions for you to dig into straight away, plus a new workshop each month. So I would love to see you there and get to know you better. You can join us at karma-u dot com forward slash collective so that's karma you.com forward slash collective love to see you there mm, right mm. yeah i think it's an interesting discussion like how to choose a therapist because it is so confusing and a lot of these words like you know people don't know what a person-centered counselor is or emdr or you know cvt don't necessarily know what all of those things are and there's hundreds if not thousands of types of therapy probably um, so it can be confusing. I, I once heard um, of a study that looked at the most important factor when choosing a therapist being your relationship with the therapist, like how 
the rapport that you have with the therapist being like the, the single most important factor in terms of kind of your success in therapy. So I always say to people to, to, to speak to a few people and find someone that they connect with and they feel understood by and, and that sort of thing. Absolutely. And, and the barometer of progress, though, is measured by you, not the therapist. So if you feel after a while, actually, I'm not really making progress, that you get to decide whether you're making progress or not. And right. there's no shame in switching therapists. I've seen over, I've gone into double figures, the amount of therapists I've seen for different things. Some just didn't work. Some, you know, I got on with some therapists, but some weren't helping with the particular problem. Um, some I just didn't get on with because uh, it can be a nightmare. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's trying to find that, that that right thing. But there's things like mind and things like that, that another charity, mental health charity websites that will help you understand a bit more about how you can uh, get in contact with people like that. Yeah, yeah. Can, can you say, can you kind of briefly explain, um, is it ERP that you mentioned there for, for OCD? Is yeah. The, can you explain yeah. what that is? Um, yeah, so... ERP is exposure response prevention, and that works pretty much with every anxiety disorder. So I'll take your example of walking along the cliff with Aiden, because um, it's a perfect example. So you're walking along the cliff with Aiden, and you have the thought, what if I push Aiden off the cliff? Now, your threat response isn't tuned at the moment to go bananas if you have that thought. It's just that's another one of those thoughts, whatever. And you didn't respond to it. You just had it and then continued walking. You didn't change your behavior. You didn't ask for reassurance. You didn't suddenly switch places with Aiden. You didn't say, oh, actually, let's let's walk over there. What you actually did is just, you didn't respond. And that's ERP, exposure response. But of course, when you're really anxious, it's really difficult to respond, not to respond because it feels so real. And what ERP does is it trains you not to respond. So the threat response turns off. Now, I wouldn't leave my house for a year because I was having the threat, the, the anxious response. And I was responding to it using safety behaviors, such as I'll leave when I'm not anxious. I will ruminate and work out the root cause of this, of this thought, which again, why it's so important to have ERP therapy for OCD because most people that are of the belief that OCD and people with intrusive thoughts has a root cause. It does not most of the time. It's just bizarre thoughts that, that happen as a result of stress. Stress is the, is the root. It's like, I'm so stressed about so many things mm. going on. And then we just have these bizarre thoughts pop into our head. And then ERP is to, it just teaches you to turn off that threat response. So you can have those bizarre thoughts and they don't bother you. Like you, they just don't bother you. Like, mm. whatever. I'm not bothered by this. And therefore, they don't happen as much. Um, whereas, unfortunately, there's some studies there, conventional talking therapy, like person-centered, which I'm trained in. I love person-centered. But if you've got OCD or an acute anxiety disorder and you're just going to a space just to talk about it, what you're actually doing is giving it attention. You're giving it an hour of intense attention. And so the brain becomes more strongly wired that it's an important thing. This is important. In fact, this is so important. We're taking an hour out of our week to talk about it. Now, don't get me wrong. The stuff that you take to therapy is really important. Like, you know, if you've been through a hard time, if you're grieving, if you've got anger issues, whatever, take it to therapy and talk about it. But when it comes to intrusive thoughts and disordered anxiety, 
you need to understand somebody who understands the mechanics of it. Um, and that's finally what kind of helped me as well. It's like knowing what's okay to explore and knowing about your safety behaviors, knowing about your avoidances, knowing about seeking compulsive reassurance and your compulsions. Um, and yeah, that's why exposure response prevention has scientifically been proven to be the, the gold standard for, for that type of the therapy. Mm. Um, but obviously we go to therapy for many things. I still see a person-centered therapist. I love it. I just go there. I'm seeing her today, actually. Just It's just a space for me to talk and I love it. You know, not about intrusive thoughts, really, just space for me to talk and it helps. I feel good about it. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's a bit of what ERP is. Um, yeah. So interesting. Yeah. So I hope people, I know I've had a lot of requests to talk about OCD and health anxiety on the podcast. And so, um, so yeah, I wanted to ask you about health anxiety next. Um, yes. <laughs> health anxiety. It's kind of like people make a joke out of hypochondria. But when you're experiencing health anxiety, it's like the worst thing ever because you think you're dying and you're like, preoccupied with thoughts about the fact that you're dying or you're obsessed about the different symptoms that you're having probably intrusive thoughts as well can you can you talk a little bit about what you notice um with people with with health anxiety and, and what would you suggest for someone that's that's experiencing that yeah so you you know you've got health anxiety and, and it's a branch of ocd now which is thank, thank, thankfully been categorized um and you're right, people get, there's a taboo around it. Oh, it's such a hypochondriac. So I actually know it's a branch of an anxiety disorder. So you can mock it all you want, but you can be supportive and compassionate also if you'd like. Um, it's, yeah, you know, you've got health anxiety when you ca- catastrophize any symptom. So if you've got a cough, you know, you're, you're dying of lung cancer. If you've got a headache, got a brain tumor, got a muscle twitch, you've got ALS or MS or something like that. Um, you know your health anxiety when you're constantly Googling for reassurance, only for that to find, you know, you could go on the NHS website, look at all the reasons behind what a headache possibly is, but you're only attracted to the danger um, because you're in fight or flight. And fight or flight is only looking for predators. It's not looking for rational answers. That's mm-hmm. why people always end up Googling and feeling worse. <laughs> you know, you know, you've got health anxiety when you're on anxiety groups and forums going, has anyone else experienced this? Because you're seeking reassurance, empty reassurance that will never give you 100%, um, 100% certainty. Yeah. So people with health anxiety chase 100% certainty, much like people with OCD. Uh, it is scary, I know. I, I struggled with it. Um, particularly, it's scary when you suffered from grief. So, you you know, you've you've seen people die. So it's, oh, my God, it feels more real now. Mine started around grief. Um, but what it is, and talking about ERP and things like that, is that when I work with health anxiety, I love mixing it up a bit. You're doing the, the behaviour stuff. So cut out your reassurance and compulsions to turn off that threat response. But then also, for me personally, I like to explore how we got there. Why is it particularly health anxiety? And usually I do find that there's things like grief or big change in your life or usually people with health anxiety, yeah, it's after a big change, like a, like a good change as well, like a, like a marriage or moving house or having a child or loss of a loved one maybe or losing a job, divorce, whatever. And suddenly this theme of health comes up. Um, 
pandemics don't help either. Um, so yeah, what to do is you've got to realize that this is just a what if thought. My anxious response is trying to look for reasons as to why I feel anxious. And it's just suggesting banal things. You know, what if you've got a, a what if that stomach ache is, is, is an abscess that'll kill you? Well, of course, that's going to feel real because my anxious response is going off, but I'm not going to react to that until I'm calm. And you'll notice that you can have the same thought 20 minutes later or in the evening and be like, yeah, it's pretty dumb, isn't it? I don't actually feel that. Because it's the thought that isn't the problem. It's the anxious response. We need to teach the threat response that this thought is incredibly unlikely. We're going with probability. here, And that's what, in air quotes, normal people do. So normal people will have that thought. They'll have the thought, what if this headache is a brain tumour? But their threat response doesn't go bananas. They don't. They suddenly don't feel sick all of a sudden and then all the adrenaline gets released. No, they just, nah, it's fine. But for us with health anxiety and OCD, it's like we have that thought, the threat response kicks off, and then because it's going off, it feels real. But you've got to lean into that uncertainty. What would non-anxious me think of this? Yeah, it's pretty highly unlikely. So what am I doing with my behaviour now? And with your behavior, we turn off the threat response. So I always say, park that, go back to it this evening. You don't need to address this right now, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then see how you feel when you're calm, when you've got more clarity. And nine times out of 10, people are like, yeah, didn't feel that scary when I was calm. Um, but yeah, I hope that kind of gives you an insight to people with health anxiety. Um, a lot of it's compulsions and reassurance seeking. It seems like the instinctual thing to do, but no, we actually... We don't do those things because we're turning off the threat response. Mm, yeah, thank you. So it's so interesting. Yeah, so seeking reassurance, that might be like Googling. You might be checking yourself constantly. I remember when I had a bout of health anxiety, kind of constantly checking, like constantly checking my eye or checking, I don't know, looking looking at my body to check it was all, mm. I don't know, okay. Or and, and the weird thing is, I think when you're anxious, it can create more symptoms like, the adrenaline in your body, the kind of derealization, as you were talking about before, like it might cause your body to tingle because you're breathing too quickly. It might cause you to like, when you focus on, like if you focus on your hand, your hand will start to tingle if you focus on it long enough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yes. So it's like, it becomes like this vicious cycle, doesn't it? Of like thinking, yeah. thinking there's a symptom and then that's actually like the physical feeling of there being something there gets stronger. <laughs> Absolutely. So. I, mean, I, I call it the self-perpetuating anxiety symptoms. Because like, mm. they're scary, some of them. The, the tingly hand one is quite a scary one. So you're right, if I'm scanning and fixating on it, yeah, is that going to turn my threat response off? No. So my threat response keeps re- releasing adrenaline, which affects my breathing, which keeps me stressed, which keeps me breathing at an irregular rate, which makes my hands tingle, so it carries on. Mm -hmm. If you've got a headache and you worry about that headache, is it going to go away? No, because you're going to get more stressed, you know, more adrenaline, dehydrated, whatever, you're probably not going to eat, and it's going to make it worse. Um, Obviously, to an extent, it's not going to make it worse to the point where your head explodes, but, you know, it's going to take longer to pass. I hear one about heart palpitations and heart flutters. People obsess about their heart or skipping beats and things like that. Mm. Um, that's usually found out down to like IBS because we're bloated and there's a gas in our stomach and it pushes up against the sternum and makes our heart beat weirdly. 
but obviously that's scary. So people are like, oh, I need to just keep it out of my heart. Is it still beating? You know, um, mm. loads. Yeah, I like the one you said about the um, just, just, just fixating on something that just feels slightly irregular. Yeah. That is a compulsion. Yeah. That's a safety yeah. behavior. Um, and, and again, mindfulness is good for stuff like that, but non-body centric mindfulness. So if you've got health anxiety and you want to kind of bring your attention back to the present, do the mindfulness that's all external, you know, because you don't want to tell someone with health anxiety, concentrate on their breathing or scan their body. No, they've been doing that all day anyway. They don't want to do that again. Um, so, yeah, but doing anything in the present meditatively that's away from your symptoms can be really helpful. I think that's a really good point about and you mentioned it at the start like don't try and practice meditation or mindfulness when you're having a panic attack or you know if you're like upset like because I know what this is like kind of feeling like my breathing's not right like why is my breathing not right it feels weird and then kind of slightly obsessing over that like that's not a good moment to meditate I remember trying to meditate when I was probably like 16 and it just made me feel awful <laughs> I couldn't you know just made me like more more focused on my heart's racing my breathing's weird and so, yeah, it's not it's not the time for it. It might be, I think of meditation as something that's like maintenance. It's not for like those critical moments of, of anxiousness. Yeah, but also practice. You practice when you're not anxious. So if you mm. have been meditating when you're not anxious and then you suddenly panic, actually you've had all those times that you've practiced in the present. So it's easier yeah. to keep your attention in the present. But if you suddenly decide to become an, a meditation guru, in the middle of the town center when you're freaking out it ain't gonna work yeah. <laughs> or if, if you're doing it to get rid of the anxiety it doesn't work either mm. if you're doing it to bring yourself to the present because you know your anxiety will pass quicker then yes but i know so many people are like right yeah i've done focused on my breath five times is it gone yet no of course it's not mm. gone yet <laughs> you know um but yes it's, it's that's really interesting um i call it just I call recovery from anything willful tolerance. You've recovered from something when you can willfully tolerate it. Now, people call it, so Claire Weeks calls it floating. Uh, other people call it surrender. People call it acceptance. I don't like the word acceptance. Why on earth would I accept something that feels absolutely rubbish? I do not accept this. But I will tolerate it. You know, right. a, bit like, a bit like an episode of Hollyoaks. I will tolerate it. I don't enjoy it. I don't accept it. But the the the... the Batteries in the remote are not working, so I will tolerate it being on. <laughs> um, that's what you can do. Uh, nothing is. My friend was in Hollywood. She's going to have a go at me for that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, um, and that's the kind of thing that, that, that we look that we look at. It's I can willfully tolerate the uncertainty of this threat response, whether it's health, anxiety, panic, agoraphobia, OCD. I can willfully tolerate this without doing anything, and that's really important. Mm. yeah 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 so, such a good thing to remember um so yeah one last question for you um this is a question I quite often like to ask people is there anything that you are struggling with in your life at the moment and mm. how are you how are you overcoming it or how are you managing it oh that's a good question what am I struggling with um yeah I struggle with grief um and I talk about it um, I struggle with the obsessive nature of my mind, um, which is both a gift and a curse. When I obsess about things that I'm good at, and this applies to everyone with 
intrusive thoughts and anxieties that you're intelligent warriors so when you commit your mind to something amazing things happen i know chloe you know you, your book you can probably committed everything to that and then and, 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 and things blossom as a result of it but sometimes the cost of that is is uh is that yeah you you can obsess and fixate on things that aren't helpful and I'll always have that. It doesn't mean I'm ill. It just means I've just got to wield this power that we all have and kind of like channel it into something good, <laughs> you know, take it away from that and put it into something good. So, yeah, that, I struggle with that. And also grief. And grief is a very powerful thing. I've lost some loved ones. And um, what I do with that is talk about it. Don't, don't try and be the ultra man lad of the century or emotional conservatism where you believe that strength is valued through not talking about stuff which is the dumbest thing possibly ingrained in our culture um but yeah no talking about it working on it taking responsibility for it and owning it has um has really helped me Mm, yeah thank you for sharing that and i hope yeah people listening will will take that as a reminder to speak about things more and to um, go and get help and get your book and um, I like that as well when you said about actually there's a flip side to anxiety that is like almost like there are superpowers that come from some of these things that we dislike like being really empathetic you know being able being having a really vivid imagination like anxious people and yes. our imagination is pretty great and if we can you know there's a flip side to that that um, can be really beautiful and I wouldn't change yeah. it yeah. I would not change yeah, yeah. it. No. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Maybe. Don't get me wrong, some days I would, but no, no, in general, looking back, no, I wouldn't. Yeah, that's cool. That's great. Yeah. Thank you so much for everything you shared. You you really are a font of knowledge. Um, can you tell everyone listening where they can find out more about you and get your book and that sort of thing? Uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. It's been really lovely. I've not done a podcast recording for a while. It's nice to chat. And chat to someone who went to my college someone local so, <laughs> um yeah uh i'm anxiety josh on social media or joshua fletcher uh, and you can find usually on instagram pontificating sanctimoniously about anxiety um loads of there's loads of free resources there and stuff um you can check out also got a book a book out untangle your your anxiety and soon untangle your intrusive thoughts um yeah, you can find me. You just pop it in. Have you ever Googled your name, Chloe? I did that the other day. I was like, oh, wow, this is pretty cool. <laughs> Try not to. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to do it in a second. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, just Joshua Fletcher is my name. Um, you know, you can if, you, if you're interested in what I do, go check it out. Great. Amazing. Thank you so much for everything you've shared. It's been absolutely brilliant. Oh, thank you very much, Chloe. And you have a lovely rest of your day. You have been listening to the Karma You podcast with me, Chloe Bretheridge. Don't forget you can download loads of freebies for anxiety and confidence at my website, karmayou.com. You can also find out about my app and my one-on-one sessions. Please do subscribe to this podcast in the Apple Podcast app. And if you have enjoyed it or found it helpful, please leave me a review. It makes a massive difference to helping the podcast get discovered by other people. And come on over and find me on Instagram. I'm hanging out there every day. You can find me at Chloe Brotheridge. Let me know what you thought of this episode. And please do share it with anyone who might need to hear this today. So I'm sending you loads of love and I hope you have a brilliant week ahead. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 